Hi, One Goal community. It's Elaine Boyd, Pelotonia's Event and Volunteer Operations Coordinator. Since 2008, Pelotonia has raised over $236 million for innovative cancer research. And thanks to our partners, 100% of those funds have gone directly to research at the James at Ohio State. Together, we will see an end to cancer. To get involved in our one goal, visit pelotonia.org. That's pelotonia.org, or click on the link in the episode notes. This podcast is powered by Pelotonia. To learn more about our goal 10 cancer, visit pelotonia.org or see the link in the show notes. And I'm just everybody that, you know, that rode by, that's my dad, that's my dad, that's my dad, you know, because on the back of my jersey, I have written all the names of the people I ride for and right in the middle, it says dad. And so, you know, I want to make sure if they're riding past me, they see his name on my back and then I can say that's him in the survivor jersey ahead of me. Welcome to One Goal, a storytelling podcast from Pelotonia. We're a passionate community dedicated to funding innovative cancer research. I'm your host and Chief Operating Officer of Pelotonia, Joe Apgar. Your journey with us to the finish line begins now. Pelotonia is powered by an unstoppable community, and it's through research we will see an end to cancer. We want to thank our major funding partners for making all of this possible. The American Electric Power Foundation, Huntington, the L Brands Foundation, and Peggy and Richard Santulli. You've undoubtedly heard the phrase, hindsight is 2020. That is certainly the case with the story you're about to hear. In 2017, Marcy Reinhardt and her family found themselves in the midst of an incredibly challenging season of life. Uncertainty was mounting as she had two big life changes happening at the same time. Then she got a phone call with terrifying news about her father, Mark Terrett. Today, they can look back and see clearly what they've gained from this entire situation. But it wasn't without a few dim and even serendipitous moments. Both Marcy and Mark join us to tell their story in this episode titled, That's My Dad. So Marcy, let's start with you. Let's uh, a little background and, and tell us about who you are. So I um, am in marketing. I work at Huntington. I've worked in um, financial institutions in the past and have been doing this um, for most of my career. Um, and I think that's that's most of my story. I have two sisters, you know, I look very much like my dad. Um, there is no, uh, when you see us together, it's obvious that we um, come from the same gene pool. And Mark, you, uh, your doppelganger, uh, I suppose, is, is your daughter, which is fun. Um, tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, and she said it. I'm a, I'm a father. I'm a father of three daughters, and that's a challenge, of course. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm I'm blessed with uh, three of the most beautiful and talented and wonderful women you could ever imagine. And the the, the best part is that they're all close to each other. They're close to their mom, um, and they don't listen to their dad at all anymore. <laughs> uh, so it's it's been a pleasure. I'm I'm now retired. Um, but I spent most of my life in a retail career. I um, owned a hardware store for a number of years. And after uh, failing at that, uh, as an independent merchant, I went on to about three or four different other careers, worked in a variety of different places. Um, most recently, I worked for a, um, a commercial window treatment company. And it was while I was there that I was diagnosed. That led to my retirement. 
I think I probably had symptoms maybe three or four months before I was diagnosed. Complained of back pain, of muscle muscle pain. Uh, I thought I'd pulled muscles in my back. I um, it um, it happened initially right before my wife and I were scheduled to leave for Italy for a, um, a long-awaited vacation. I went to my doctor and, and I told him what was wrong. He didn't get a chance to diagnose me. Uh, I told him I had I'd strained my back, so he gave me and I told him I was concerned that we were going to miss this trip to Italy. And so he gave me enough drugs that <laughs> I could have I could have gone to Italy with, <laughs> with been fine. Broke, broken bones, you know, it wouldn't have mattered. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, then returned, went back to work. And uh, one particular day I was in so much pain that I said, I can't work anymore. And, and uh, my wife, who's a registered nurse, uh, said, well, we're going to have to go to the emergency room. And I said, well, it, it, this is a good indication of how bad I felt. I didn't argue with her. first doctor and, and bless his heart I, I I really he was he was outstanding um, they did the MRI and the uh, cat scan and the x-rays and uh, he came back and he said we're not sure what you have but you have one of three things uh, I can't remember the other three but multiple myeloma seemed like the best one of the three well I remember uh, mom calling me and telling me that you were in the hospital and that you had kidney failure. And that's what I remember because as someone who is not in the medical community, and I say this because everyone in my family besides me and dad are nurses. <laughs> so when you say kidney failure, that's bad. Any any organ any failure. failure is yeah, bad, right? Bad. So I, I was immediately upset. And you were probably at that point very drugged up, but that was what I remember the first kind of awareness that this was a bad thing. You know how I got into kidney failure was because I was overdosing myself with uh, ibuprofen. I learned that uh, the uh, mortality rate two years out was 50%. Well, that's not accurate anymore, but that's what I learned. So I started thinking, well, I've got two years, maybe, maybe. Did you actually have kidney failure at the time or that's just what they thought it was? Kidney failure took me to the emergency room. Okay. So kidney but, failure took you to the emergency room and then but you ended they, up getting they, diagnosed with cancer. They pretty quickly. Um, um, and of course, if you look at the x-rays, you or I, well, maybe you would, Joe, but I don't, I, I don't, I'm not an x-ray technician. I can't tell, but there's these little shadows that appear on your bone where the bone's being eaten away by the disease. And um, they're, they're very faint and they're, um, it, it takes an expert to see them, but that, that's what, that's what they saw. And they knew that something wasn't right. Have yeah. I ever told you about Kelly's involvement in all of this, Dad? No. Well, okay. My dear friend um, uh, from college lives in Cincinnati. She is um, actually a bone marrow transplant. She works on the bone marrow transplant floor at Children's in Cincinnati. So what an amazing career she has even. Um, but I called her the minute I heard that it was a bone cancer, a leukemia, you know, a blood cancer, I immediately called Kelly and I said, okay, tell me what you know. And she, um, she actually has dealt with cancer herself. She went through breast cancer um, okay. um, a couple years ago. So I called her, dad has multiple myeloma. I don't know what that is. What can you tell me? And she calls me and she goes, 
you'll notice in my story, there's a lot of serendipitous moments. And I feel like this was one of them because I called Kelly and she said, well, multiple myeloma doesn't present in peds. So we actually don't know much about it. Um, but she said, I actually just had to do a training class on it um, because it is a cancer. And so she said, I, I did just learn about it. She's like, I think, I think there's a lot of good stuff that's being done. I think it's going to be okay. And so she told me what she knew, which was very helpful. Kettering got me healthy enough to go to the James for their clinical trial. And that was where I met Dr. Benson, Don Benson. Uh, mm -hmm. to, this, to this day, I call him the best doctor I've ever met. Um, uh, I, I really can't sing his praises highly enough. You are certainly not the first person to call him you know, the best doctor you've ever met. Um, yeah, he's Do you know amazing. Him? Do you know him, Joe? Uh, yeah, I, I know I've met him on several occasions and I've, I've heard him uh, speak to groups before and it's incredibly powerful. You, and, if you can imagine uh, that power when you're one-on-one -on -one with him, uh, is, is he's a master. He's a masterful doctor. I'll tell you a quick story about him. Um, when I first was introduced to him and I uh, had been through one or two sessions with him and, and so I decided to look him up online, um, you know, at, the, at Ohio State and, and check out his, um, his credentials. Well, I found his CV uh, and I went to look at it and uh, it's, um, it's 49 pages or something like that. This guy has written more than I've read. I mean, I couldn't <laughs> believe it. A journal of medicine, um, you know, published papers, uh, just on and on and on. Sometime later, I decided I was going to call his office and I thought I'd just leave a message with um, a nurse or a, an administrative assistant or somebody like that. And instead, he answered his own phone. <laughs> Hey, Don Benson here. <laughs> I just, I was really taken aback. And I just, yeah. you know, here, here is this uh, incredible, um, successful and published uh, doctor, and he's answering his own phone. And uh, later I relayed this story to Giselle, uh, one, of his, uh, one of his nurses. And she said, you know, that's happened more than once. She said, we've had people hang up because they couldn't figure out. <laughs> they were so, so startled that he answered his own phone. I mean, it's, he's just as straight down to earth as you and I. What was the time frame of all of this that you were in starting the clinical trial at the James? Uh, I was initially diagnosed in January of 2017. Okay. And um, I underwent treatment at um, Kettering. Um, through the first four months of 2017. And then in May, I think it was in May, uh, or my first experience with the James. And I wasn't sure whether they were gonna admit me into their clinical trial or whether I was gonna be transferred there. At that time, I was feeling pretty good. Um, they gave me some mild um, chemo, uh, it wasn't terrible. Um, but I was giving myself shots and that kind of thing to try and get, try and get past the, uh, the threshold with this myeloma, get it into the point where they could, I could get into this clinical trial. So I think it was in May that I was admitted to their trial. And it wasn't until June, was it June, Marcy, that I went into the hospital. That sounds about right. It was summer for sure. 
sort of during that summer uh, and during that time period, Marcy, you uh, either started or had already been in a role at Huntington, uh, who is incredibly involved in Pelotonia. Um, what was your perspective and vantage point on that being at Huntington, maybe understanding their involvement with Pelotonia? There's this bike ride that supports the James. You know, how are you thinking about everything? Oh, um, so many things. So dad talks about, you know, being diagnosed in January. This was also the time that I, I received the offer for my position at Huntington. So okay. it was right around that same, I mean, I think it was the same weekend because in my life, I found out that I was pregnant with my third child um, <laughs> right at the time that I just accepted a job. I knew Huntington and Pelotonia were synonymous, right? I had always known that they were so closely aligned from day one. Um, I had no idea at that point what the culture was like at Huntington with concern to Pelotonia. And that first summer, while I'm spending time visiting dad at the James and being so worried about him, um, you know, everybody's getting ready for the 2017 bike ride. I was very pregnant, so I was not gonna ride. Plus I was more worried about getting dad healthy than I was about anything else. But um, I, I remember the Friday before the ride, it's like a holiday at Huntington. Yeah. Um, people take the day off um, early. They go to volunteer all day. The events happen. There's pep rallies. There's so much excitement that I, w I, I was a little taken aback. Like this is not just, this is not just a bike ride that happens over the weekend. This is an event and it is the event at Huntington. So I um, quickly learned how, how closely aligned all of the things that were happening for me were also happening, you know, that always happen. And I was just unaware of it. It was like I say, serendipitous. Mark, you, uh, you go through this clinical trial. How, like how much time did you spend with the trial? How did it go? You know, I don't think a lot of people get to hear the sort of ins and outs and perspectives on what it's like to be part of a, a trial. Well, it's um, rigorous. Every aspect of your life is uh, controlled because they want to know exactly what works and what doesn't work. And so the, um, uh, the steps are uh, well-defined. Um, before I came to the hospital, I was on a, a drug regimen. I was really not involved in that much chemo, um, but uh, different drugs in preparation for that. And then when I went to the James, um, I uh, uh, no sooner did I get there than they started to poison me. Uh, you know, they have to poison you to make you better. Yep. And um, they um, uh, gave me this massive dose of chemo but then almost immediately um, um, gave me my own uh, uh, bone marrow back. It was what's called an autologous bone marrow transfer where you actually donate your own bone marrow and then after the chemo, you receive it back. You've had this massive dose of chemo, which just about wipes you out, just you know, completely um, uh, saps any strength, any residual um, health that you've got, and then you wait while the bone marrow migrates to your bones and produce starts to produce new white cells, and and so it's a, a long process. 
I was in the hospital for a month, for four weeks. And then, of course, when you're actually in chemo and you're actually in treatment, um, it's uh, you see people walking down the hall and everybody's walking with the um, requisite intravenous pole. You know, you're you're following you with the pole and the, the fluids dripping into your body. Uh, but it's uh, yeah, it's a com camaraderie that uh, I, you don't see very many other places. Community of illness. I mean, there's times where you feel, I mean, you feel like that's it. Yeah, there were times, Joe, when I was ready to say, you know, just get me out of here. Um, whatever happens is okay with me. I just don't want to be here. Yeah. Uh, get me out of here. I, I was blessed with huge support. I had all of my daughters were in and out of the hospital the whole time I was there. Um, everybody was, I, I think there are a number of blankets and other knit items that were the result of my being in the hospital. Isn't that right, Marcy? <laughs> yes, we were crocheting. Um, we were busy. <laughs> we had to keep ourselves, hand, our hands busy, right? <laughs> and I, I plastered a wall uh, in the hospital room with cards and, and well wishes from friends and family. I, I was blessed. I, the, the drugs, the chemo, the care, uh, I got to the point where they said I had um, 0.0000% um, residual disease. In terms of cancer, they won't say, they'd never say you're cured, yeah. but I was as close as you can get. So let's sort of circle back around the 2018, Marcy, you decide, I'm going to do it. I'm going to ride in Pelotonia and take us through that, deciding to do it and signing up and the experience of, of actually going through Ride Weekend. I mean, I, I had story, right? Um, Dad had, had spent his time at the James and was, um, you know, in, in remission. So um, even from the clinical trial. And so I said, you know, this, this is an easy one for me to, to decide to participate. You know, started a letter writing campaign to all of my family and, you know, all over social media asking to donate because I think that was the, probably the most intimidating to me was the idea of raising that much money. Um, However, I could get behind it because it was 100% dedicated to the research. And I just, I've seen the research do great things. Mom said she was in with me. So of course, mom and I had to split up our family lists so that we weren't targeting the same people yeah, for fun. Yeah, you weren't double dipping. Yeah. So um, luckily I had Huntington support and mom also rode under Huntington's Peloton as well. And of course, my husband, not to be left behind, said, I'm doing it too. I thought, oh, great. Now I've doubled my fundraising. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so the three of us uh, rode in 2018. And I will say that when we did the bike ride in 2018, that was actually the year that Dr. Benson spoke at Huntington's pep rally. So again, I'm just like, this is all for me. I feel yeah. like this is all for Dad. Everything's like coming together for you. I know. And so I, um, you know, we recorded, Huntington recorded it um, because I don't think mom and dad made it to the pep rally for Huntington, but we all, um, mom and, and Jonathan and I rode um, and, and that's when many people say they were bit by the bug. I will say that being at that event, you know, started it. it it's just, the ride weekend is such a, a celebration of life, both life 
that people are still living and life that has passed. And it's such a beautiful thing that I have a hard time um, saying that I will never not be part of this in some way, shape or form in the future because it's just amazing. So it's not just a matter of you feeling good about yourself for doing something, but you meet all of these people and there are so many amazing stories. I remember sitting there and I don't know if this was 18 or 19, but we're sitting at the the pre, uh, the party that happens the night before. And one of the volunteers comes up to clear a plate of food, you know, that that is there for us. And she's telling a story about how she survived cancer and she's just happy to be participating in this one sh any way she can. So she volunteers to clear plates. And that's how it is. Every person you meet is just happy to be there, happy to help, happy to be doing this thing. And it's just that, that um, celebration of life that I love. Then 19, I ran, I rode again, um, which was the best because dad rode. You never saw so many smiles. You never saw so many people happy. You, it was just, it's such an incredible event. Uh, it's overwhelming. Yeah, it was, it was uh, a joy. If you ever get to go, wear a survivor jersey. <laughs> you get love. You're like a celebrity. Everybody, you're a celebrity, absolutely. That's definitely a special, a special part of the weekend is, you know, walking around in, in those corrals or even when you're out riding on the road. And the amount of survivor jerseys you see is, is pretty incredible. Yeah, it is. Um, I think it's know, getting more and more, isn't it? I didn't, yeah. You know, one of the best memories I have this far in my life is riding behind my dad and my mom. Rare that I get that time with them and, and just with them um, because now I'm not competing with my kids' attention or my husband. And so, sure. so that was just a, a unique moment for me because here's dad with his survivor jersey right next to my mom. Jonathan had already gone ahead and I'm just everybody that you know, that rode by, that's my dad, that's my dad, that's my dad, you know, because on the back of my jersey, um, I have written all the names of the people I ride for, and right in the middle, it says dad, and so, you know, I want to make sure if they're yep. riding past me, they see his name on my back, and then I can say that's him in the survivor jersey ahead of me. That's, so why, you went, that's why you went so slow, was so people could pass <laughs> you, right? Oh, yeah, dad. My cheeks hurt at the end of that day because yeah. I was just yeah. smiling. Yeah. Smiled and smiled and smiled. You both have, you know, been through Mark's cancer experience together in a lot of ways from different vantage points. Uh, so I'm curious what, you know, how, how you would wrap Pelotonia into a couple sentences. Joe, who is actually named after my dad, his first name is Joseph. Um, he was born in the middle of all this. So I, you know, there's no way I can't think of this being a legacy um, that we need to keep funding so we can continue the research. Mark, what about you? Well, I can't help but think that it's um, any way you can pay, pay it back, pay it forward. Um, I'm incredibly grateful for, for my life, for uh, having been saved by the folks at the James. Kettering Hospital as well. I, I don't know how they sustain that. I don't know how they are able to do that, but they're doing something right. Um, we need more of that and we need to support that in any way we can. You spoke so highly of Dr. Benson. You know, I 
I suspect he'll he'll get to listen to this uh, when it comes out and, and be excited that you were here sharing your story and, and curious what you'd want to say to him. What an incredible privilege it is to have been treated by him, to know him. Uh, thank you, Dr. Benson. Thank you for, uh, uh, for your clinical trials. Thank you for all the great people that you, um, that work together with you, that, um, the compromise, the, the team at the James, uh, can't thank you enough. Pelotonia is, uh, just a small measure of gratitude for the research and for the, uh, the care that you give. Mark, I'm going to put you on the spot for one final question. Uh, and this is a question that, uh, I've been asked many times sort of going through my own cancer experience and how did it change your life going through that? Newfound, newfound appreciation for, um, the things that are really special. My daughters, my wife will all tell you, I was a workaholic for most of my life. Uh, the most important thing was work and um, success. Um, not so much anymore. Of course, I've reached a point in my life where um, I can retire and I do retire. You know, grandkids and children and uh, the people in your life, uh, a wholly, wholly different appreciation now. Uh, when, when you stop to think that it could all be gone, you, you know, that you could be leave all that behind yeah it does give you a new appreciation for life for for every day we would like to express our gratitude to marcy and mark for sharing their journey with us today it's stories like this that further inspire and embolden our unstoppable community we also need to recognize our major funding partners who make all of this possible the american electric power foundation huntington the elbrands foundation and peggy and richard santulli on the next episode of One Goal, you'll hear from another member of our community whose story will undoubtedly inspire you further. This has been One Goal, a storytelling podcast from Pelotonia. I'm your host, cancer survivor and COO of Pelotonia, Joe Apgar. Interview and production scheduling by our marketing and communications duo, Emily Smith and Gabby Blauer. One Goal is carefully crafted and produced at the studios of Wessler Media by Vince Tornero, Mastering by Joey Gerwin at Orange Judio. Special thank you to all of our guests for being willing to share their inspiring journeys for this podcast. Also, please rate, review, and subscribe so you can get seasons one and two, as well as future episodes. If you want to learn more about the Pelotonia community and how you can make an impact on cancer research, see the link in the show notes or visit pelotonia.org. That's pelotonia.org.